VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 694, recorded on August 29th, 2023. Welcome to the 694th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 527th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzig. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Yeah. So uh, we didn't do a podcast last week because things kept on getting delayed and wait till this week. We're finally talking. And right now, um, you wouldn't believe how all the squeals of delight as Starfield, uh, what's it called, pre-orders get to preload their game today on Steam. They were able to on Xbox and PC Game Pass, but now the Steam users are getting to uh, preload, and they're very excited. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, and, you know, like, we always joke about, like, a game, a Bethesda game will have a million bugs on day one, but this one is looking like probably one of the more promising launches that they've ever had. Can their hard drives fit both Baldur's Gate 3 and Starfield on there? Oh, sure. <laughs> That's a uh, legitimate question. Yeah, actually, uh, I just got myself a Samsung 990 Pro 1 terabyte M2 SSD. And that bad boy goes at 7,000 megabits per second. So I have a blazing fast SSD now. Pretty strong. Some people are saying, well, you know, it's going so fast, you're going to you're gonna have these errors in which things are loading before they should load. And so, no, that's not going to happen. That's silly. That's that's silly talk. Um, but uh, I've been playing two games. One of them's old. One of them's very new. Uh, the older one is uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I've started, uh, finally started doing that one. And it's okay. It's more Spider-Man. And the thing is that, you know, uh, they should have just cut out the, the stealth stuff in that because Spider-Man is not about the stealth. He never needs to do stealth. And he's also in a blight red and blue costume. How is he going to meld into the background? So, you know, it's, it's more fun when you're just, you know, fighting normally. He has spider sense. He doesn't need stealth. The story is kind of, you know, they're trying too hard to be cute. Don't be cute. Just be real. You know, I, I, I get it. You want, This is Miles, and you want him to be cute, but it it, it, it's, it can get grating sometimes. It's like, yeah, yeah, he knows. He's an adult. Well, he's not an adult, but he's almost an adult. He, he He's a late teen. He knows what's going on. And I just don't like the – how come they always have to pair up the superheroes now with geeky, overweight nerds? Why is that happening all over the place? We had one – with uh, Daredevil for a long while, and then they decided, you know what? Spider-Man needs one, too. Uh, I don't know. I They had one with Static. Anyways, uh, but the other game I've been playing, and uh, I know Scott has started playing, is Sea of Stars. And the main reason why I, got, I started playing Sea of Stars is that last night I wanted to take my mind off Starfield, and I wanted to try it. Keep in mind, I never played The Messenger, so um, this is all new to me. Uh, Scott, you played The Messenger, right? Yes, I played The Messenger, and the devs have said that it is not required to play The Messenger no. to understand Sea of Stars. They are uh, their own stories, but set in the same universe, um, but they're also set like 10,000 years apart in time. So You want to hear something cool? Stories. You want to hear something cool? Uh, the Messenger came out on August 30th, 2017. 
2018 and Sea Stars came out August 29th, 2023. So almost on the same day they were released. Almost, yeah, five almost. years apart. Uh, the Kickstarter was launched back into uh, in 2020. So um, you're a Kickstarter backer, right? Yes, I am. Uh, what, what platform did you get it for? Because it's out on PC, uh, it's out on PC, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. I got it on Steam. I enjoy just playing on my computer. Yeah. So I can use a controller, and I get the Steam achievements. And and I have friends that play the game as well, so we can see each other's progress on there. It's you know just nice there. I have it on and Game Pass. Heard, yeah, I've heard it's on Game Pass and PlayStation, and PlayStation Plus. Plus on the same. So the thing about having it on Game Pass though is that it's play anywhere, so I can play on the Xbox and then play the same save file on my PC. So it's sort of like, you know. Whatever I'm in the mood for, if I want to play it on my PC or my Xbox. So, I got as far as when Leak joins you. How far have you yeah. gotten so far? Well, I've, I've reached the place that you um, are in the demo, so I'm exploring that island now. Okay. And so, yeah, just just where Teak says, and uh, it's you know I like the Wizards Lab there, and the, the puzzles they do are really inventive with light. Um, apparently, like light is very important in the game's world and it's uh the story you know basically because you, you have the lunar sol, sol lunar solstice yeah, warrior you get to the manipulate solar. the you get to manipulate the time of day yeah. and so, or certain stores exactly yeah uh the part i like is uh making food at the fire at the uh fire oh place. yeah that's, that's really that's fun. really satisfying you yeah. get you hear the little cooking sounds and you see the pictures scroll yeah, by. You can see, and, yeah no it's like you see it actually being made sort of like coffee talk the same way coffee talk does it you see one ingredient, you see the other ingredient, you see the condiments, and then fi- it's finished. And mm-hmm. then you see the uh, food in its own little picture box, you know. I yeah. made two different types of sandwiches, so <laughs> aside from the salads and all that stuff. It's a nice, <coughs> it's a nice inventive way to do it. Um, and they basically give you hit point or uh, restore mana and that sort of stuff. Um, the combat's interesting. It's uh, one of those uh, real-time, uh, turn-based real-time in that... Uh, it's turn-based, but if you want to get a bonus, either offensively or defensively, you can time it so that just when they hit you or that you hit them, you get oh, something yeah. like a little bit of a buff. And um, with the spells, uh, like the dude, he um, does a fireball spell, and what happens is you hold down A until it's as biggest as it can get. If you hold it down too long, it'll start shrinking again, but if you hold it, down, uh, keep it at the right spot, he'll do as big a fireball as possible, while she... Throws a boomerang, and you have to time when they come back to you because if you time it right, she'll just throw it back at them. Yeah, the, and the, the sun bomb is pretty easy, but the boomerang is very challenging. There's a, an achievement to get 25 ref- uh, rebounds. I've almost got fun. that. I, it was, yeah. it's like it's like you just at, at, here's the thing. It goes slower, but at some point you just have to just smash your button because then it comes back to you so fast. You might as well just keep pressing it as, as fast as possible. Because it's just going to keep getting back to you even faster. Yeah. Uh, the music's okay. I haven't gotten to the parts of the really special music, which I know there are. Right now, um, a lot of the music is very pastoral and, you know, basically ambiance. Um, the traversal around the world, it is very, very tunic. Because you have to... You have to go across different ways on the same thing. It's like, oh, I have to go here, up, go up this ladder, I go here, oh, jump yeah. over here. Then I have to go across the tightrope, and it's like you could miss some things if you're not paying attention. Like yeah. um, 
So there are so- several chests that you can miss if you don't if you don't spot them in time. It's like Oop. I think you can go back to these areas though. So eventually, I think at yeah, some point it's, the game it's better will to get it open up and let as you fast go back. as possible though. Though you know, it's but, like. Yeah. But um, I'm liking what I see. I'm gonna keep playing. Um, even when I'm playing Starfield, I'll probably give uh, Sea of Stars some time. This is sort of like hundred uh, like Aiden in that I'm pleasantly surprised, and uh, the story is starting to engage me. Um, and I'm also finding out that Garl has a really big fan base already. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. If you if you if you do if you go to Twitter and you search for 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 Sea of Stars, he has a huge fan base already. He's the best boy. You know, he's like so supportive of his friends, and he's just like well, this hard worker. And yeah, but the thing is that well, this is not a spoiler. Um, maybe it's a minor spoiler. Uh, in the beginning of the game, when he's a kid. Uh, something brutal happens to him, and he carries yeah. that scar for the rest of the game. And it's like, you know, so he has that 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 pity is well, not pity, but you know, that feeling of support because he did he did have something that was really traumatic, but he's over it. <laughs> even yeah. with a physical disability, even with the disability, he's still over it. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the thing: uh, the two main characters, uh, they're solstice warriors, which means they're magic warriors. He is not. And right. uh, that's part of the entire thing is that he's a normal person with his two friends who have superpowers, and he's happy that they have superpowers. He's not resentful at all, but he still helps like out. Yeah. He's kind of like Sokka on uh, Last Airbender. <laughs> and the Elder Spirit says, oh, you know what? Uh, normally we only have Solstice Warriors, but he starts thinking, so he might have the heart. Yeah. He's, he's Samwise. Uh, that's what, I think that's why people love him so much. He's, he's, he's a Samwise. This is my guess. At, at some point in the game, he's going to con- he's going to turn over one of the bad guys into good guys, and, and you know really reach them, which is why he's called the heart. Uh, because uh, the the uh, elder spirit says that there's someone out there that you're going to help. He he, te- he tells these the three characters in secret what their future is. You know, sort of like vague prophecy stuff. And the yeah. thing he tells him is uh, you're going to help somebody, and you're going to turn them, and you're going to make them turn around, and you know. Come back to the light. So that's he's going to help somebody, basically. And I'm not surprised. He's he's very open. He's very jolly. Mm-hmm. So I've been chatting. Uh, Scott, give me your impressions now. Well, like I said, when I first saw this, I was very blown away with just how you know uh, flexible the game was. You you're going over all the terrain, your uh, and the effects. You know the lighting, but also the little pixel effects of seeing little grass moving around and just the combat is engaging with the whole, um, you know, timing except, aspect, except for those friggin' ants. Oh yeah. I hate those ants. Not only are they, they have tough defense against normal attacks. So you really have to make it so that you can time it so that when one character has their magic attack ready, you know, the other one... Because the only way you can get Mempi back normally without uh, having, you know, something like a berry f- smoothie is every time you attack, you increase Ooh, your MP. Um, yeah. Or you can get a magic attack, but that's... You know, what happens is every time you attack, these little balls pop out of the monsters. There's also... And, yeah, there's boosting. I think that helps with a lot of attacks. A little bit, uh, but it only really works with the ants if you have three levels of it. But the things about the ants is not only are they tough, but they keep on summoning more of them, and that's really annoying. Oh, that—that's the thing I hate is that they. Oh, I have three left. Oh wait, they have summoned two more of them. <laughs> the thing that's is that. 
I think that's a classic turn-based game is where they, they summon help. and then more Yeah, they summon help, but they also are really, really tough. See, that's the... Yeah. And the, I need to find a shop to... I think part of my problem is I haven't upgraded my weapons yet. I need to find a place to upgrade those weapons. I did find the shield. I did find the armor. But I need to get... I need to... Uh, yeah. Um, the thing is that um, his fireball just helps out immensely because if... Because that's one thing that they're very vulnerable to. And also, fireballs have a splash damage, and they can hurt everything around them. Yeah, that's very useful. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more of this game. Same here. I'll be playing that one mostly, I think. I'm wondering, when is Auden Hunter oh, Heroes one, coming out? That one is scheduled for quarter two of 2024. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see it. That's a that's a long wait. I'm still yeah. looking forward to I mean I really enjoyed the prelude. I want to get to the main the main meat of that game. And here's the thing, if you think Sea of Stars looks good, uh, Hundred Heroes looks incredible. Oh yeah. That that game looks great so far. Um they released a new trailer now where they show a little bit more uh combat and a boss battle and uh traversing the a dungeon and you see this nice fog, and you get some hear some voice acting, uh, Japanese voice acting, and it's 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 a nice trailer. And, you know, you see the UI, and you can see that they're going. Uh, they they've done away with the the like the old D and D magic system, or spell points, and now it's just mana. So and but they also have like SP, which are like special abilities. It's kind of like the boosting I think in um, Octopath Traveler. Um. And they're also, of course, remastering Sudikin. I guess that's coming out earlier, so I think it makes sense that they'll re-release Sudikin before yeah. 100 Heroes comes out. That would be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to that as well. I'd like to get that on Steam. Well, it's definitely going to be on Game Pass too. And that's one thing about Sea of Stars is that it got backed by Kickstarter, but it also got uh, the developers also got money from Microsoft and Sony. And there's a lot of players who might have been on the fence about this, who are playing because it's on Game Pass or PS Plus. So um, hopefully this will uh, make them get, get make a third game sooner or later. Oh, yeah, definitely looking forward to whatever the next game is. That's a lot of speculation on that. Uh, they are doing DLC for Sea of Stars, so that should be, I think, next. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to see. Uh, TJ, what have you been playing? I, uh, I've been playing a lot of Armored Core 6. Oh, yes. Uh, I, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> um, I've been teasing TJ for the past two weeks and just sending Armored Core 6 videos and stuff like that. And I know that that was pretty high on your list. Uh, one thing about Armored Core, though, um, it's one of those games which has always been like a 70 out of 100 type game for a very long while. Because it w- wasn't great. It was okay, but four and five were pretty. Four was like mid, and five was pretty bad. Yeah. So um, uh, the last really good one was probably three. Here's the thing, you know, but it still kept the lights on at From Software. So finally, after doing so many Souls likes, they decided to come back to Armored Core Six. And from what I understand, and it looks like it, uh, the gameplay is buttery smooth. It's phenomenally good. I. Uh, I really, uh, I really just love how much you can customize in that game. Like I've, I've probably spent about as much time painting my, giving my Mac <laughs> custom paint jobs 
and creating emblems for them as I've spent actually playing missions. <laughs> it's it's really cool just like how much you can take all of the colors like coordinated across various parts, like individualized certain sections, and then and the emblem maker literally like either uploads something or picks for, pick from a preset or just use the cha- the shapes to create something all your own. I uh I really enjoy that level of customization and I've seen a lot of people on the internet are doing the same with theirs, whether it's like creating silly shit or really cool shit. Lots of people making Gundam paint jobs, lots of people making silly Kirby paint jobs. Uh, there's some just like unhinged uh, meme stuff going on. Like, uh, yeah. and then like the game itself is just dang good. Yeah, the thing that I noticed most about it is that the areas where you fight are usually really wide open, and you'd expect uh-huh. it to be sort of like kind of dull looking because you know it's just oh it's in the middle of all this metal architecture you know like a warehouse and stuff like that or. You're on top and you're like near a base and all that stuff. But they from software must have learned a lot from Dark Souls and, and Elden Rings because they really, really make all those locations breathtaking. You know, it's like there there is an incredible mission early on where uh, your job is to fight your way to the top of a dam and and destroy a, a mech like a super mech on top of it. And you start on a mountain that like overlooks a town that leads up to the dam. And you see like this, uh, these other forces go in and just get destroyed because the mech on top is like an artillery launching super machine. And it turns its fire on you as soon as it's done with them. So you have to like, you have to sprint towards the dam and try to get through the city before it, hit, it destroys you with artillery. And you got to fight other things on your way there. Yeah. And then you actually like, go inside the dam and fight your way up to the top where you, where you actually do a boss fight with that, with that robot on top of the damn wall. A lot of the coloring is very drab. It's a lot of Browns, right? But it's Browns and grays. And, you know, like I said, very metallic locations, but it still looks great. And I'll tell you one thing, um, even just from the 4k videos I've seen, it seems to have some of the best fogging effects I've seen. Because every place you go, it seems like there's fog, but it's volumetric fog, so it's not like it's not like you know, oh, it's a distance fog. And it's not a distance fog because you can see things far away. It's just a volumetric fog. It's sort of like the same thing that Starfield is doing too. Yeah, and um, it's just not just like the fog, but the effects on all the weapons too. Like there's so many weapons in the game, and they many of them have different like particle effects. There's a one of my favorites is on my heavy build. There's a shoulder mounted laser cannon that you can charge up. And I swear when you let that thing rip, it's like, oh, yeah, that's like letting it's like letting loose just like a torrent of light at your enemy and just blasting them for huge damage. That's one thing I've heard from players, too, is that the weapons have a kick to them. They, They all feel like they're doing something. And when you get hit, it feels like you're getting hit, too. Like there's a real you know, palpability about everything. Mm-hmm. Medium and light, medium and uh, light mech builds actually have to like stop and, and brace to fire something like a, that laser cannon or a, uh, or a bazooka. 
If you get something like tank treads or spider treads, those allow for heavy builds, and those things can actually fire the heavy weapons while on the move. Yeah, but I've so seen the light. Sense. I've seen the light mechs just you know dash around like like a swordsman all over the place. Right, and I think that like one of the things that people are running into problems with the game is that like the game demands that you build ver- that you build and buy variety. You can't just use the same weapons against every enemy. And uh, one of the biggest things, there's like a there's like a boss fight that where the enemy has a shield that you have to deplete before you can even start doing damage to it. And uh, a lot of hardcore Souls players just fell off the game because they got so pissed off at that thing. By the way, really the answer we have to, is that I think we should tell buy. people that this is even though this is a mech game, it's not one of those big lumbering mech games. It's more like a uh, what's the name of that game? Uh, it's more like a Giver game in which you're doing all these fast attacks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's closer to mech, it's closer to the Zone of the Enders than it is to Mech Warrior or anything like that. Um, but like it, it still has weight to it, and like one of the one of the things is like, oh, I would say that from software players who have been spoiled over the years by invincible frames when doing dodge rolls, Uh-oh. and th- and those don't exist in Armored Core Six. If you dot if you try to dodge directly into an attack, that attack will hit you no matter no matter what you did. So like you actually have to dodge the the ordinance. You can't just you can't just try to go through it. <laughs> there's a, and there's a lot of enemies that just put out like hundreds of missiles at a time, <laughs> and you just got to move around it and try to find the right path through it. It's a, it's an, it's a fun and interesting game, and it's really challenging, and I'm having a great time. This is the first one have, since uh, what, 2013 or something like that? Yeah, Armored Core Five was, I think, maybe 2010. The last good one was in tw- I think was in 2013 because because uh, Armored Core Five was I think 2016 but it was bad it sucked. It was on the Xbox and PS3. It was 2012. Oh, there you go. So it's been even longer than 2012 since there wasn't even a good one. <laughs> um, but I've also been playing I, I, Guilty Gear Strive launched season three last weekend, and uh, hold on, did I, you did? You never said what you did at Evo. Huh? You never said what you did at Evo. Oh, I covered a whole bunch of stuff. I played games. I uh, I know, but how you finished? I didn't finish very well because I ran into tech issues in uh, all three oh. of my games. Uh, unfortunately, I had uh, I had some malfunctions where I got desynced from the match, and if you get desynced from a match, you have to drop the round. That's and nice. uh, unfortunately, those tilted me a little bit. And I... and. It was vindicating to learn that a lot of other players had uh, tech issues at Evo as well. Just because, like, PS4 is old at this point, and the PS5, what people learned is that uh, the back ports on the PS5 are no bueno. You, they were plugging USB C. They were plugging cords into the back of the PS5, and it turns out that the that the uh, that the heat coming out of the back of the PS5. This is with the heat, the uh, PlayStation and heat problems. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the heat coming out of the back of the uh, PS5 was melting the innards of USB uh, ports. Okay. And uh, I'm not even joking. Like, people were pulling cords out and, and like, pieces were sticking in the PS5 because they were melted into it from the heat coming out of it. Okay. Um, 
that's something they're going to have to figure out because the PS5, if they're going to, if if Sony plans on using the PS5 as the standard console for Evo, then they need to make a thing for it that makes it so it doesn't melt people's equipment. <laughs> oh God! Speaking of it, you see everybody ripping the new uh, PlayStation peripheral. It's not good. It's it's no, a very it's it looks very limited and it's so pricey for being so limited. Here's the thing. Um, yeah, you want people to be able to. It, it works with Wi-Fi, but you'd think they'd want to make the controller be able to play the streamed games. So let's let's not like bury the lead. The it's it's a it's a device with a screen on it and like half of a PS5 controller on either side of it that you can use to access your PlayStation 5 via remote play. As I mean, we should say we're, we're talking about the PlayStation Portal, just so that any people are yeah. And and you can access P- your PS5 via remote play as long as they're both on a, a Wi-Fi network. Doesn't have to be the same Wi-Fi network, but this peripheral is like two hundred dollars, and all it can do is uh, access remote play. An iPad can access remote play. So can a laptop. So can an iPhone. So what <sighs> makes this thing better than either of those? Do things? you know what it doesn't have either? What? It doesn't have Bluetooth. Yeah, it's not yeah. Bluetooth. And here's the thing. And here's why. Because play, Sony just bought some uh, headphone makers, and there's going to be headphones that are exclusively used for the PlayStation Portal. So you can't use any old yeah. can't use any old headphones. You have to use the specially branded Sony PlayStation ported headphones. Yeah, and uh, <sighs> that's interesting too because I really like Audis. They're good stuff. But um, yeah. Do you want to hear what they are? It's the $150 Pulse Elite headset and the $200 Pulse Explorer wireless earbuds. Those are the only two audio devices that are compatible with it. Yeah, that's silly. But uh, but I did go back to Guilty Gear after a short break. Uh, season 3 is launched. They brought actually new mechanics to the game that changes up kind of everything for everyone. And they launched Johnny, which is one of my favorite characters of the entire series. He's a pirate cowboy uh, who uses a cane sword, <laughs> and his, uh, he's always had like a gambler motif around him. And so this whole his whole shtick this time is that uh, he can throw out cards, and then the cards themselves don't do any damage. But if he swings his sword through them, they uh, they split in half and do a follow up attack on enemies, and it makes for some really interesting setups he's just also he has some of the best swagger in the entire game he literally has a move where he just like knocks them into the air backs up and then slashes a J through their body and makes it explode <laughs> he's just fantastic i love uh i love how they're starting off season three just curious have you played hi-fi russia i have not okay you'll love Rekka. yeah yeah she's the first she's the second boss fight i'm gonna say something um when you uh, when you play a game, you know you may start. You know I'm 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 getting into this right, but on some games there'll be that one scene in which it goes from I'm digging this to I'm invested, and the Rekka boss fight is when you get invested. <laughs> nice. It is so over the type it, because she's basically a wrestler, a heel wrestler, and just a way of pounding her fists. Oh. You gotta play Hi-Fi Rush for it. Again, you know, you haven't played a lot of games that you should be playing. So, <laughs> I'm 
I love uh, I love wrestling characters in games where you have to yeah, either fight as them or fight with them. Rekka is way over the top, and it's it's glorious. <laughs> it's glorious because not only is she a wrestler, she's a corporate wrestler. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's so big and beefy and just full of it. It's just hilarious. And then the music is um, Elsinore's cover of uh, Free Radicals, which is which is great. Uh, obviously, all the music in Hi-Fi Rush is great, but um, I don't know why people overlook it when they're talking about their favorite music from it, because that's my favorite music from that game. Anyway, um, that, I was going to mention something, and I completely forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, yeah. So one thing we do not have under quick news is that Firaxis released a new Civilization video talking about how uh, the past 32 years and now everything is available on console. And I found out um, you can get the entire thing for Civilization VI on Steam, everything, for 15 bucks. And that includes all the content that I don't have yet. So I might consider it because 15 bucks is less than the, pa- the gaming pass to get all those extra leaders. So I may go for it. But yeah, 15 bucks for the entire kit and caboodle, which normally is like $175, something like that. So when they released the video, the you know what the one thought on my mind is, right? Yeah, you're getting ready to reveal Civilization VII soon, aren't you? Seems that way. If you're, if you're willing to have a huge sale of Civilization and unloading everything on console, yeah, you're ready to announce Civilization VII. Yeah, we've been waiting for that. I know they've been hinting at it, too. And the one thing that I really want to know from Civilization 7 is how is diplomacy going to be improved? That's always the one thing in every single Civilization game. How is how are you going to improve the diplomacy? It's always been eh, at best passable. Which one did you do you say has the best diplomacy out of them? Uh I guess Civilization 6. Um Civilization 4 is cool too. But I hear I hear a lot of people like Civilization Four a lot. I've never even played that one, but uh, Four like a, Four did have a bit of an issue uh, where if you're fighting someone, conquering them down to you know just a few cities, they would tend to vassal themselves to another civ, which would cause you to go to war with them. And then when well, that's entirely fight, the point now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But it just, it just starts a chain effect where maybe you would like a little bit of a pause between starting wars, but it just it starts another, then another, then another, before you know it, you've wiped the whole map. It's crazy. Well, it's like that guy who tried to attack Putin. You know, if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way. You can't just, you yeah. know, take a pause there. If you're going to conquer, so you do it quickly before they decide to, to ally themselves with someone else. It just seems like when people talk about their favorite Civ, Civ 4 seems to come up a lot. Civ 4 is good, but here's the thing. It's not so good that I go back to it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The only Civ I would consider going back to is the very, very, well, is maybe Civilization 2. But if I'm going to go back to a Civ, it's going to be Civ 1. I like Civ 2. I liked their War Council uh, uh, advisors. I thought that was very fun and entertaining aspect. I don't know why they gave that up. They should have that in Civ 7. I don't know why they don't have those guys. You know, they had these uh, 3D model uh, advisors who would come up to you yeah. and let you know what you think, you know, the general would always be attack, 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 you know, and all that stuff. And it's like, why don't they have that in, Civ, in the later Civ games? I don't get it. I also don't get not having, you know, building your palace either. That's something I really loved in Civilization 1 and 2. Yeah. When you were building your palace, you know? Mm-hmm. Need that back. 
anyway, there's a lot of quick news all involving Baldur's Gate 3. Um, now this is kind of some of this is old, some of this is new. Uh, Baldur's 3 is coming to Xbox, and um, yeah, the entire thing is yeah we won't have the uh, local, the local, uh, the local multiplayer on Xbox Series S for a while. And it's like, was that really a burning need for a lot of people? Was everybody just saying yeah you know what we need in Baldur's Gate, local multiplayer? I'm pretty sure there are people who like playing multiplayer locally, all in the same machine. But I don't know if it's a hill you want to die on. It's a uh, it's an interesting thing because like I I completely agree with you. Those people are niche. That said, I'm one of those people. Me and Sam <laughs> have been playing Divinity together on the same okay. platform, and so. That's kind of the reason I've been waiting on Baldur's Gate for PS5 is because I want to play a campaign with Sam together. Okay. And uh, wait, multiplayer I'm on the same machine? I'm glad they're doing it, but I also understand completely why people would be frustrating that this they're is, holding. But back you remember, this that. is not this is not this is not you know online multiplayer. No, no, no. This is same same machine multiplayer. You know, we have split screens. And for those of you wondering. When you do something like that, when you do a split screen local multiplayer, that eats up a lot of processing power, a lot. Yes, because you have to re- you have to render the game for two different situations. Before, like it it goes much better when everybody's together and you can share the screen. But like when you split up and you get the split the split screen going, then you then the game has to work that much harder. Yeah. So basically, they said, "Well, patch it in the Xbox Series S later." <laughs> Much later. Uh, Baldur's Gate also got a big patch, and uh, it was so big that it exceeded the Steam's text limit. And now, today, they said the next big patch is around the corner, which will have even more fixes and uh, better origin character epilogues. Primarily, uh, what's his name? Cutark? That's the thing that everybody complains about, that his ending is kind of weak. So, the um, Steam message board is a complete mess. I would avoid doing it uh, for most games, but. Especially in Baldur's Gate 3, it is like it is like 4chan in there. The moment even the slightest thing goes wrong for anyone <laughs> in any game on Steam, they just go to the they just go to the reviews and just light it up as hard as they can. Yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> it's the Metacrit- it's the Metacritic uh, user reviews of uh, of gaming platforms. The thing is, you know, what's it called? All these people complaining about Baldur's Gate 3 and, and Starfield being woke. And I say, well, what do you want then? Because whatever it is I th- you think you want, you're not going to get it. So it's not a hill you can die on. And it'll get you banned from the message forums anyway, because we know what you're really saying. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> oh, God, it's just one big mess. Someone was complaining about the game was being too sexual. I said, did you read the ASRB uh, thing? Creative M for Mature, and if you read it, talks about all the stuff that you're complaining about. Also, you can turn off nudity if you want to. Yes. Why can't, if, you, if, you're, if that bothers you, turn off nudity. Yeah, I mean, like, much of the game is your choices and your decisions, so, like, I remember hearing that somebody took the Dark Urges character and killed everyone in the first chapter and stuffed them into a house. <laughs> Good. Like you can be a terrible person in that game if you want. Go ahead. I will say this though: if I ever, when I play again, I am not going to invite Gale to my party because he wants to eat a magic item every every few days, 
And if you don't do it, he'll explode and your entire party will die and that'll be a game over. <laughs> That's wild. I say, yeah, sorry, Gail, um, I don't need a magic user. I already have one. You, you don't need one. I don't need you. Go, Whatever deal you made with that guy, go explode somewhere else. <laughs> um, so, first, uh, also, we had Gamescom. It's a small little party that was going on in Germany. Um, we can discuss this in any order you want. Uh, we'll start with the obvious one. That's the Starfield live-action trailer, which was really good. I mean, the uh, cover of um, Rocket Man was, was excellent. And I'm sorry, that did get me hyped for the game. Even more so. Which one? The Starfield to live-action trailer. Oh, yeah. They had a cover of Rocket Man. And I, I can't wait. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Although I know that a lot of people were surprisingly really amped up for the Sonic Superstars release date, because apparently they've been waiting for that for a long while. It looks good. Like it looks like a very, very good blend of of classic and modern. It looks like Rayman. Come on. It's yeah, totally like Rayman. The four player, you can yeah, it's totally Rayman. <laughs> uh, did I miss it? Can you create your own? Rayman is totally Sonic. Oh wait, uh, well no, but Rayman perfected multiplayer. Um, is it? Did I? Did my eyes deceive me, or can you create your own character like you can with other with another Sonic that I never remember from another Sonic game? They introduced a a competitive multiplayer where like you can race your buddies and play with them and uh, and like party mini games and in that okay. mode you can create a like robotic mecha little counterpart for yourself. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so you can. You can put it together with little pieces and uh, from each of the characters and themed things. It's uh, it looks pretty fun. On a side note, um, I actually saw the trailer for Party Animals and now I'm interested in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's another uh, mini game kind of game, sort of like a mix between Mario Party and um, oh god, what's the name of that game? That game show game, Fall Guys. It's like a, it's like, and you can create your own. You can you, there's like over 200 animals to choose from. If you get all the DLC. <laughs> so, um, they showed some of Tekken 8, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, they uh, they finally gave it a release date. We know now that it's going to be coming in January 2024. And uh, that's a big deal. Like, we... I, I don't know when I expected Tekken 8 to happen, but it's such a high... Like, the fact that they've rebuilt the game from the ground up and are trying to add, like, more characters than any of the other current games right now on a a starting roster makes it sound like a lot of work. And uh, to hear that it's coming in January 2024 is, like, I I, I thought it would be waiting until at least Evo next year. Mm -hmm. That's a delight. I'm looking forward to being able to play that at the beginning of next year. Scott, was there anything that... that Interested you? See for Gamescom. Uh, let me look at the list again. I know a lot of people are really excited about Little Nightmares Three. Let's see what we have on that list. Okay. I guess. Not really. No, not really. Not even. Thank goodness you're here. I don't think I've seen that one. That's a really goofy game. It reminds me of. Something from 
from uh, from the Cartoon Network, you know, in the style of uh, of Adventure Time and stuff like that. Just a really goofy, absurd comedy game. That that can be good. Uh, certainly sounds like fun. Um, so Little Nightmares looked really good. What did you think, uh, TJ? Yeah, I've always found the the Little Nightmares aesthetic to be fun and creepy, like that whole like a little bit of Nightmare Before Christmas vibe. Yeah, but, also, uh, now you have now you have co op, <laughs> but stuffed into like a a, a a puzzle platformer. Those games are creepy and funny and like I I really like how smart their puzzles are as well. Like you really get to it. We ha- considering we haven't had like a game like Inside and Limbo for a while, Little Nightmares feels like the closest thing we get to that right now. This one Play Dead is doing something. I'm not sure what, but I know they're working on something. Oh, is this yeah. just like side-scrolling uh, puzzle? Yeah, it's you play this. It's a nightmarish little kid game. Yeah. Okay. I remember the first two, or at least one of them, and. It's like a uh, full cycle one or something. It's a side. It's a side scrolling platform puzzler, platform mm-hmm. puzzler like Limbo or. Okay. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I there was a game that was shown before Gamescom, which I thought was really interesting. Did you see the trailer for Neo Berlin 2087? No. No, I didn't. It looks oh. really good. The, the Aura History, that that's... Oh, that's no, similar. okay, you want to talk about Aura History? Okay, so Aura History Untold is if Civilization and Age of Vampires had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I like the trailer they, they showed. They were showing, like, different variations of how <coughs> your history can uh, unfold. And they were showing, like, the Eiffel Tower next to pyramids, next to uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. So it looks like it might be a good game. Yeah. Uh, I could tell. So Neo Berlin 2087 is a, is an indie game that's coming on 20, uh, 2024, and it's basically uh, Blade Runner as a hmm. first first person uh, third person role playing game. It looks really good, and I hope you know there was one game Technomancer which looked like it was going to be good, but it was sort of shallow. So hopefully Neo Berlin is not like that. Um, on a similar note, I'm hoping Chris, uh, Crimson Desert isn't like that either because that looks really good too. Have you seen Crimson Desert? I have not. It's another uh, game that that is taking the, uh, the path of um, of a uh, Mass Effect style gameplay, like. Uh, but this one is an open world game. It's ta- it. I don't know where it takes place. It's like it takes place in in the past, a medieval type of place, but it's sort of like Final Fantasy meets um, meets Deus Ex. Looks really good though. Interesting. You didn't see that one? No, I didn't watch much of the pre-show. Really? Uh, They showed too much of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, though. And my entire thoughts during it is, you know, this is a hostage rescue. You're firing bullets all over the place. (laughs) That's not exactly how you do a hostage rescue. Interesting. Um, Quantic Dream, that's another game, Dustborne, and I don't care. I'm I'm done with... uh, Dream. I'm sorry, but I'm done. I don't want to hear from, from them ever again. So getting back to our history untold, um, yeah, so imagine if you're playing Civilization, except instead of uh, army stacks, you actually have armies that fight, sort of like Total War or Age of Empires. Hmm. And I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, and they have some very interesting effects. The the map looks very real. Yeah. Which is very nice. Like I said, it's a lot like Age of Empires. It's like it has all right. these RTS it has RTS combat, but uh, the civilization they said also it's a grand strategy game. For those who don't know, a grand strategy game is something like Europa Universalis or Crusader Kings. So that should be interesting too, because they're not doing the Civ they're making it sound it's like Civ Forex. They're making it sound like it's Grand Strategy Forex. And if you have something like Crusader Kings that's going through time, I wouldn't mind that at all either. Uh, Homeworld is back. Does anybody remember Homeworld? It was the first it. total 3D RTS. Well, Homeworld 3 is finally coming. It's been, people they have been waiting. They introduced like- a new mode that was so cool in this latest uh, in their latest reveals. <clears throat> the War Games mode. Yes. It's a roguelike co-op experience where you and two other players get to team up. You each control your own carrier and like a starting fleet of like you can add, you you start with like five interceptors and five scouts, but you can and uh, and resource collectors, but you can also uh, level up and unlock different uh, fleet compositions. So like later on, you could uh, get a, a setup where you could have scouts and bombers and uh, and interceptors, but like in smaller quantities. Do you know when Anyways, Home- you know when Homeworld Two came out? It came out twenty twenty years ago in two thousand three. Homeworld uh, Three has been in development hell for a very long time. But yeah, and this well, actually writes hell. Like, <laughs> you you get randomized objectives in different sectors that you and your teammates have to complete. And like, it could be something like enemy waves coming in, or you have to destroy a transport, an enemy transport carrier before it gets away. Or you have to protect some other, some civilian ships so they can get away. And like you could, as you go, you unlock upgrades that, uh, the, it would be like, uh, it would be like getting upgrades in any roguelike game where they're randomized and they, upgrade certain aspects of your fleet, like making your interceptors go faster or shoot stronger. I uh, I really think that's neat. Like, we haven't really seen anything like that in, re- in, uh, in strategy for... I don't know. Have we ever... Can you think of any roguelike co-op strategies? No, not offhand. It's a very interesting concept, and I can't wait to play more of it. Want to talk about Cyberpunk? So... Not only is Phantom Liberty coming out, but they're releasing an entire new patch to Cyberpunk 2077 that's going to be like adding a whole new game to it. And they're revamping the perks and skills from the game. And my reaction is, thank freaking God. The perks and skills in Cyberpunk 2077 were awful. They were bad. Yeah. I'm, glad they're rev- quite a bit. I'm glad they're revamping it. So it's renewed my interest. It's renewed my interest because I like the story. I like the acting. I love Night City, but that part of the game just killed it for me. It's like it didn't make me want to play it again. There's a handful of perks that I actually really enjoy in that game, and I hope they don't mess with. Well, it isn't the, like the perks themselves. It's just the perk system. I uh, I like the perk that lets you get more money and more uh, <laughs> components off okay. of hacking. And I like the perk that allows you to throw your knife at somebody and go collect it from their skull. I'm probably going to be a talky, sneaky guy still, who just happens to know to have a sniper rifle, which is the only way you can deal with Atom Smasher. Yeah. Um, the other game that really caught my attention was Killing Force 3. A lot of people were talking about that. 
Man, that was my favorite thing I saw during the whole thing. I uh, I knew that eventually they would make a Killing Floor three, but I like didn't expect it this year. Or I didn't I didn't expect to see anything about it this year. It was absolutely wild to see like them actually show it off because they've been doing content updates for Killing Floor two for like ever. And uh, I don't know, like it feels like. When you have so much content in one game, it's a it's kind of a risk to start over. But to see them actually going for Unreal Engine 5, I cannot wait to see what the dismemberment system in uh, Killing Floor 3 looks like in Unreal 5. Uh, the other game that looked really interesting was Mandragora. Mandragora. It's another side-scrolling. Um, it reminded me a lot like um, Dark Cells. I mean, sorry. Not Dark Cells. Oh God! What's the name of that game? Something sells now. Because it, it it sounds like Dark Souls, but it's not Dark Souls. It's something sells. Dead Souls. Oh, Dead Souls. Yeah, yeah. Magikora reminds me a lot of Dead Cells uh, with the way the combat is in that game. It looks beautiful. Um, it looks like uh, the lighting effects are really nice. Have you seen it? Have you seen Magikora? Yeah, that does look good. I, it's like a very dark symphony of the uh, night. Yeah, but it plays like Dark Cell, uh, Dead right. Cells. <laughs> it looks really good. Um, they have some really good-looking bosses, like there's a dragon. It's on fire at you. Um, there was one other thing that we can talk about. I said we they showed some more Assassin's Creed Mirage, and I thought it looked okay. It looked good enough. It looks it looks promising. It's just now a matter of um, if it, if it's actually good. Yeah. I mean, it looks more promising than we've seen out of an Assassin's Creed in probably years. Well, like I said, they're quote-unquote going back to their roots, which I hope means that when you assassinate someone, you don't have to be higher level than them. Just stab them in the neck and that's done. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and it looks like plotting your way through like large crowds and, and open spaces is going to be a big part of this one. Instead of having to just like explore a massive world and go into a camp and just raise hell. It actually looks like you'll want to be super sneaky and super uh, careful with the way that you plot not only your entrance, your uh, execution, and then your escape. (sighs) I mean, the only thing really we could also talk about is the two new fighters from Mortal Kombat 1. Um, I'm pretty sure that you're all over that. (laughs) They're going an interesting route with uh, Shao Kahn this time because of the timeline rework. Uh, Shao Kahn, boss of uh, Mortal Kombat 2, has been a uh, long-standing villain in the series. Now he's going to be General Shao because in this timeline he never uh, became king of Outworld and uh, he's just like a mean, meaty dragon villain. Um. He has an axe, which is an interesting uh, thing because uh, he can literally like plant it on the ground and throw somebody on top of it, and then like throw and then pick up the axe and throw them off of it. Uh, he looked mean. He looked mean and wild. And then Sindel is like another long-standing character in the series. She uses her hair and like loud screams to fight. I've never been wild about Sindel, but like. A lot of people were really happy with like what they saw out of her kit this time. 
Yeah, and really the only other thing that, that moved the needle at all was Lords of the Fallen. We know that's coming. We know Lords of the Fallen, when it first came out, was got mid, you know, was mid, and now people are getting excited over the uh, remaster, so we'll see. Yeah, I haven't followed Lords of the Fallen too much. It's one of the first Souls-like copy. It's one of the first Souls, uh, you know, uh, copycats. It has its fans. I'll say that. The Wukong trailer looked pretty decent. I, I know. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done with Journey to the West. I mean, do they know that the entire point of Journey to the West is nonviolence? It's like it's about the monk. It's not about it's not about Sun Wukong. But at least in this case, they literally have him being a monkey man. So at least there's that. <laughs> yeah. And then Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. I actually got to play a preview of that uh, before Gamescom. That's coming it's, to Game Pass. Uh, that could be really fun, only because like it's sort of set up like a Diablo-esque. You go into well, you get quests and you go into them and you fight bosses and you try to your best and try to basically do the most damage without taking as much damage. But the twist on it is that you have a party of four and three other players can control the other party members in the game. Yeah. So it's an action RPG and it has development staff from the people who worked on uh, near automata. And it's very combo heavy and very, very, and very, uh, the characters are very different in the way that they play. Like, I played a character that's like a gun uh, gun wielder, and I was able to like not only shoot at enemies, but like lay down areas of fire. And then when enemies got close to me, I could use this other ability to kind of dodge out of harm's way. And there's other characters that are like I'm more counting. up front, like rush down, sword play, slashes left and right, and tanking damage. And so. I don't know. I think that's really cool that they have it set up where you can have other players taking up the other roles on your quest. Yeah. Um, Blue Fantasy has always been kind of a interesting. I hate the gotcha elements of it. I'll put that. Up. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I don't like that either. I'm not a fan. So the idea of having the Grand Blue Fantasy universe in a in a game that doesn't use gotcha elements and just lets you experience those characters and that lore in an action RPG. Sounds a lot more fun to me. Or a turn-based RPG. Either one will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Relink is looking like it might be worth watching. Finally, uh, we're going to end with this. Uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar Rim's Ruin. They're taking the Warhammer universe and making it into an RTS, which is interesting. Yeah. And we, we haven't really had an Age of Sigmar uh RTS, have we? And or at least not in a while. I know the Warhammer games that Creative Assembly have been doing have been popular for years, but like this is a little bit different from that. No, this is an actual RTS. The other one is more like well, it's Total War. It's, they have their own version of of RTS. This yeah. one is more of a um, spawn units, try and control things. While the Total War games are basically um, Capture spaces and then have conflict when you want to uh, with the other person's army and you have to set up. No, uh, RTSs are basically you have your base, you're spewing out your 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 character, your your units, and send them over there and whack the other person. So, um, all the while while you're building up uh, huts and stuff like that. We're on to game news. Um, Night Dive is doing it again. Did you know this, TJ? Night Dive wants to do it again. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces is getting the Night Dive remaster treatment. 
Gosh, question from PC Gamer. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces was the first big film tie-in first-person shooter, and it was hugely impressive upon release in 1995. It captured the spirits of the films really well, and with some fascinating tech trimmings to boot, the Jedi engine allowed for some ambitious level design, including Mouse Luck. Uh, people don't even understand this, but Mouse Luck did not start with Doom, did not start with System Shock. There was very little Mouse Luck. This one is actually true Mouse Luck, and you know what? Oh, you could shoot people above you and below you. Imagine that. So it's probably only a matter of time before Night Dive Studios took its remaster magic to it. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces remaster will release sometime in the fourth quarter of 2023 with the usual stuff, including 4K up to 120 FPS, advanced 3D rendering, uh, gamepad support, Steam achievements, and a remastered cutscenes and content. Uh, Dark, sequels and its sequ- uh, Dark Forces and its sequel are precursors to the Jedi Knight series. Yes, because Dark Forces 2 is called Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight. Uh, and are among the best Star Wars games going. Sure, the Star Wars license helped, but Dark Forces is notable for its cinematic presentation, which is kind of rare in 1995. If you remember in 1995 when you played something like Quake, it just said, okay, go here. It just gave you a bunch of text, and that was it. It also featured some real 3D models in the game, engine-supported double-story maps. Andy Kelly produced a fascinating Dark Forces retrospective a few years ago, um, and Dark Forces where we were introduced to Kyle Katarn, and your first mission is to get the Death Star plans, which, you know, which was overseeded by uh, later films in a much worse way. Um, also in the news is that uh, Cliff Blazinski keeps on hitting around and uh, Night Dive keeps on hitting around that they should do an Unreal remaster. Unfortunately, no one knows who owns that thing. So uh, who knows if that's going to ever happen? I don't care about Unreal, by the way, or Unreal 2. There's only one Unreal to me, and that's Unreal Tournament. Damn it. Bring back Unreal Tournament. That was the, that was my jam. Anybody? <laughs> I, I played a little bit of Unreal Tournament, and I'm not really into first-person shooting games where it's just arena. It's, I don't know, not really into that. I'm super excited for Dark. Like, I'm kind of in the same boat as Scott in most respects, but Dark Forces is a little different. I've I still have the Dark Forces box. I had a collection of LucasArts games when I was little that had uh, Rebel Assault, Rebel Assault 2, uh, TIE Fighter, and uh, a couple other things. And then it had a demo disc for Dark Boys. It's not the whole game. So I've only ever played the first five levels of Dark Forces. Which are the best levels, and that's when you stole the uh, Death Star Plans. It's the first thing you do in that game. Yeah. And, and by the way, everybody loved it. It was ultra cool to have that that Death Star hologram, do you remember that? You could just walk mm-hmm. over and through. That was the thing that excited a lot of people. But I'm excited to play through the whole game, because like, I, I want to see how it plays out. I never had a chance to, and I've never gone back to see. And uh, and I totally agree with you, by the way. I would love to see Night Dive Studios do a rework of uh, Unreal. And I know that Cliff Blazinski would love to see it, too, because he said it like five times. Hmm. You know, um, <laughs> the funny thing is that uh, Dark Forces had Kyle Katarn as a Han Solo type player, so it's amusing when he becomes a Jedi later <laughs> in the series. Wait, the character from Dark Forces goes on to be a character in further Star Wars? Yes, it was, it was Dark Forces, then Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight, then it was Jedi Knight, and then Jedi Knight 2. It's like Dark Forces spawned the Jedi Knight games, and they were all about Kyle Katarn. 
I did not know that that was the same character. Yes, he, was, he started off as as a as a as a smuggler and a rascal and a scoundrel, and then he became a Jedi. So it's like Han Solo became Luke Skywalker. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, take the next item there, TJ. Xbox. No. Nemanski. No Man's Sky adds its first new race and its biggest update of the year from PC Gamer. Since its troubled launch seven years ago, No Man's Sky has evolved into a genuine hit and has now dropped yet another major update. Echoes that adds an all-new race of robots to the game with rich new story content for players to explore. The robotic autophage are the first new race to be added to No Man's Sky since it launched in 2016. And developer Hello Games says they hope, and the rest of the Echoes update, will breathe new life into the universe. Players will be able to learn the language of the autophage, learn, explore their mysteries, and perform their rituals, and collect mechanical parts that will ultimately enable them to create a unique ceremonial staff, and even a full robotic avatar. Combat in space will also get a major overhaul in this update, enabling battles between freighters for the first time. Naturally, pirates will have freighters too, and you'll need to defend fleets of, from their predatory ways. And a single-seat fighter, of course. Fly through your enemy trenches to sabotage their shields and destroy them. Yeah, now who's taking who, who's taking a cue from Star Wars? <laughs> there are numerous smaller changes in the Echoes update. You can, for instance, search for trade and scrap weapons to become a multi-tool scrap merchant. Yeah, uh, uh, it's too bad Hello Games didn't rush the game out. Because they, they got they got so much publicity from Sony for two straight E3s. It's like they should have just told Sony, listen, we love all the stuff you've been doing for us, but um, can you wait another year, please? Yeah, I agree. Because, like, look at this thing. It's, it's almost un- unrecognizable from where it began, and in so many good ways. Like, trench runs in No Man's Sky, that would have been, like, unheard of when the game first come, came out. A lot of people would be like, it's never going to happen. Well, multiplayer was heard of, but it wasn't in the game. <laughs> At this point in time, we've actually had Mass Effect's Normandy ship appear in No Man's Sky. Also had it appear in, in, in Starfield already, as well as the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I say, listen, Wait. if you're going to... What? Like, uh, in official capacity? Because, I mean... Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. people who are playing the games have released their little uh, ships, and one of them was the Millennium Falcon, the other one was using the ship editor, and the other one was the uh, Nor- the Normandy SR2. I say, oh, listen, no. if you're going to start the game in, in Star- uh, Starfield, don't do the Millennium Falcon. Do the Evan Hawk. Be different. Oh, no, what I'm saying is that Bi- Bioware actually collaborated with Hello Games to bring the Normandy oh, into okay. uh, the uh, game for into No Man's Sky for a bit. That's cool. But I'm just saying, people have been building ships from scratch like that. That's sure. I tried. A, I tried No Man's Sky. I think it's Sky. really cool how much they've done with it. I I, mean, I tried No Man's Sky like six months ago, and I still just can't not get into it. I yeah. hope they they make a No Man's Sky two and just revamp the entire UI. You know, just because the problems I have are with the UI and the controls. You know, um, it's it's interesting. That all of this is happening with with Starfield coming, you know, there are so many games now that are doing. I mean, you have Everspace Two also being a do anything you want type of sci-fi uh, ship sim. So we're we're in an entirely all new era of space RPGs. Yeah, 
That's a good one too. Like it looks like we're gonna have be able to have a lot of fun with uh, oh, what they've got out there. Did you see someone made a Millennium Falcon in uh, Starfield using the modules? I just said that, Scott. I just right. said that, Scott. Here's the thing. I said I say, uh, don't don't make the Millennium Falcon. Be cool. Do something like the Ebon Hawk. Oh, I was thinking of the aluminum mallard from uh, Space Quest Three. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Um, take this, uh, Scott. Citizen Sleeper 2 announced, this is from Windows Central. In 2022, an indie tabletop narrative RPG developed by Jump Over the Age and published by Fellow Traveler became a sleeper hit, even garnering enough attention to get a nomination from the Game Awards in the Games for Impact category. Citizen Sleeper 2 Star Wars Vector was formally announced by Gareth Damian Martin, the lone developer responsible for the series, in June 2023. Uh, Citizen Sleeper launched into Xbox Game Pass, and like many titles, it was set to leave the service once the contract expired. During the Xbox showcase from Gamescom 2023, it was announced that Citizen Sleeper would remain on Game uh, Xbox Game Pass and Citizen Sleeper 2 Star Wars Vector will be joining the service on day one when it launches. Re-owned comic uh, book artist Gilliam Shillane, uh, celebrated composer Amos Roddy, returned to create a sequel to Citizen Sleeper that consisted of the same visual aesthetic and immersive audio experience that while Jump Over the Age worked to create an expansive narrative with new protagonists and antagonists. Citizen Sleeper 2 Star Wars Vector does not yet have a release date. Have you played this yet? No. Uh, yeah, well, I don't you rolled much about it. You rolled a one, so you failed. It's a die rolling yeah. game in which you make all these choices, and it's um, uh, if you enjoyed um, oh damn, what's the name of that RPG again? That narrative RPG with a detective. Oh god, it's slipping my mind again. It was a game about a uh... Disco Elysium. If you like Disco Elysium, you'll enjoy Sleeper, uh, Citizen Sleeper. Use a die rolling mechanic as a way to complete tasks. Like um, if it says it requires a die roll of two, you'll probably make it. If it requires a die roll of five, and the thing is that you don't actually roll the dice. You just roll all the dice, and then you pick which ones to use on each one. So it's sort of like, oh, I rolled a five, a four, a three, and a one. I'm going to use the one here. I'm going to use the four here. I'm going to use the five here, that sort of thing. And it's very engaging with its story, and it's one of those games like Disco Elysium that uh, – Make you question. It even opens like Disco Elysium, by the way. It opens you blacked out and having some mysterious voice in your head talking to you and asking you questions. Same opening. The reason why this is news is that uh, the developer said, you know, without Game Pass, this game would have never happened, and the sequel would never happen without Game Pass either, because, you know, this is one of those games in which no one's going to play it unless, you know, it's on Game Pass. No one's going to give it a chance. Very few people will give it a chance, that is. You know, it's like a sort of game like, eh, seems interesting, let me try it out. Oh, I really like it. Sort of like Gears Tactics. That does sound fun. Yeah. It's a very uh, severe aesthetic. It's sort of like one of those Amiga games, you know, from like in the late 90s. Anyways, uh, TJ, you know, you know this game better than most, so you should read this one. Maybe you can give some insight onto what's going on there. <laughs> League of Legends is ditching mythic items from PC Gamer. Bright Games has announced that Mythic items will be removed from League of Legends in January 2024, and while removing a key game mechanic doesn't always go over well with a community, in this particular case, the players seem to be pretty happy about it. 
Mythic items were introduced in League of Legends 2021 as powerful cornerstones of your builds with big effects that define your playstyle from game to game. Players can only carry a single mythic item at a time, and unlike legendaries in LoL, they include special passive effects. But most players weren't happy with the way that mythics constrained uh, builds and playstyles, and earlier this year, Riot said that it agreed with many of those complaints. We aren't happy with the current state of mythic items, we were wrong about some of our initial goals, and our philosophies around items have evolved as a result. In response to the news, some players have said that they don't think the change will have much material impact on the game, but the general consensus, consensus seems to be that it's good, that's a good and overdue change. A specific date for when mythic items will be removed from League of Legends hasn't been announced, but uh, the uh, Riot Games said a full reveal on item changes and other preseason information is coming soon. This is very, 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 very true. Mythic items are like the top tier items in the game and nothing pisses other players off in a, in a league of legends game. Like when you don't build the right mythic item for your character that you're playing. And I think that's stupid because like, I don't like other people telling me how to play the game, even if they're right. And league of legends players are always assholes about it. Uh, I think that mythic items like you got a you got an assassin character, right? So like everybody expects you to build this uh this mythic item that gives you better lethality, that causes more damage and short bursts to enemies. And if you don't build that one, then you're trying to tank the game, you're a troll and uh everybody gives you scorn for it. That sucks. I like it it does constrain players cuz like yeah, you're being like you're being told by everyone around you and partially the game itself that like if you're not playing with a certain mythic on your character, then you're not playing to win. And that's stupid. It's a game where like you're supposed to experiment and figure out which build works best for you. Why would you make a set of items that that makes players feel like they have to build one or another per character or they're doing it wrong? kind of flies in the face of experimentation to me and i've always hated it so i'm glad they're getting rid of it and, I'm, and i agree with most of the community that they, it's much needed you know what would be interesting is if they um had matches in which everybody would get a random buff and then you couldn't control it you'd have to adjust your play style to whatever that random buff is so you couldn't say well i'm not trolling the game just gave it to me it's not my fault they took that one step forward and they created all random, all mid, where you don't get to choose your character. It just chooses for you, and you just have to make do with whatever character it gave you. No, but I'm saying you choose the character, but then it gets a buff that you can't really control. Yeah. I'm just saying it's kind of like that. All random, all mid is, is very silly and very chaotic, and I uh, I enjoy jumping in there once in a while. <laughs> no, but the point is that you know mythics are intended to you know give a buff to your character, but... You have to choose the buff, so if you're not giving the buff that optimizes, that doesn't min-max them, then you're not playing right, according to people. I'm saying, well, why don't you just have that, except you can't control what the buff is, so therefore people can't accuse you of, you know, of tanking the game. Yeah. I don't know. I just like the idea of getting rid of that crap so that uh, I can... F- like, the other items in League of Legends are great. You can You can mix and match them as you see fit. You only get to choose one mythic per character, and everybody like has 
most of the community is like dead set on like which mythic each character needs. And if you don't build that mythic, then you're a jerk. <laughs> it's, it's another league. It's another just like pain point of League of Legends that makes it less fun to get into. See, if it was less, if it was less of a competitive game, then I could, you know, then maybe mythic would be, would be, you know, okay. Because you know, I'm just going to play it this way. But mm-hmm. since everybody's playing to win, you know, and to increase their stats and stuff like that, it's like you're trying to min-max everything. Yeah. It's almost All metagaming. So. All the time. And if you're not min-maxing, then you're a troll. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Scott, you can read the letter from Ralph from episode 692. Okay. This is, uh, like I said, listener feedback from Ralph. I am still playing a lot of Pokemon Go because I walk around a lot. My life is too fucked up up at the moment that I don't want to start a new game like Baldur's Gate 3. I really want to play it. All my friends are playing it, and they love it. Jonah is the first person I know who doesn't like it and talks bad about it. But that's okay for sure. It's everyone's personal thing to like something or don't like something, even if it's only to be against 90% six of all the reviews here's the thing about that um one of my favorite games of all time is alpha protocol and that got 65 to 70 you know metacritic score and my reaction is i don't care i love that game i've always loved that game same thing with bioshock 2 you know that it was actually trash when it was released and now for some reason for for good reason that people think it's a classic but i thought it was a classic from the start i loved it i loved it better than Baldur's gate one i mean uh, bioshock one so it's not like, you know, and the thing is, I don't hate Baldur's Gate 3. I just am not getting into it. It's not. Yeah, it hasn't clicked with you yet. It hasn't clicked. And I'm thinking maybe if I give it a couple of months, maybe it will. I mean, Dragon Age Inquisition definitely did not click with me. And there's still things I really do not like about that game. But I love the story. So I put up with a bad gameplay for it. Anyways, moving on. The other games you talked about, oh, sorry, yeah, the other games you talked about, I really don't know. Besides Sukadin, that's the only one I heard of from the original PlayStation. Um, I don't know if he played Sukadin. That's a good series. He played it. That's what he's saying. Okay. I did not play any uh, Street Fighter Six, but I like that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles costume idea, but I don't like the price. I still want to watch the EVO. Especially Street Fighter Tournament. So I just skipped the last <laughs> minutes of your podcast. I was afraid you'd talk about it. So, yeah. Um, would we, were we going to, we couldn't have been talking about the Street Fighter Tournament. So I guess he just stopped watching because he was still watching Evo. No, I think he's, he was afraid that we were going to give any spoilers for Evo. We didn't. It's uh, been weeks now. So, I, so we can talk about it a little bit. I think it? it's super interesting that a Blanca player made it into the grand finals of Street Fighter 6. Like, is that, that is an outlandish character for somebody to specialize in. And to see it actually make it to, like, the finish. The guy got second place in the whole tournament. And that was a tournament that had 6,000 people in it. And, like, he fought up against... He he squared off against a Ken, which, like, Ken is considered to be uh, the one of the top-tier characters in the game right now. But just to see, like, somebody taking Blanca and just absolutely frustrating and crushing other players with him is was wild and fun. That made Evo 2023, like, what a what a debut for that game. 
Look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with this new news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy a few exclusive comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, this up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at John Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chodes. You can find me at Charter Moore. And I'm not going to call it X, so you can screw it. Uh, we will see you next week, hopefully. Oh, yeah, by the next week, we're going to be talking about Starfield, without a doubt. I'll still be playing Sea of Stars. I'll still lie, but I'm going to be playing most of the Starfield. <laughs> no, I, here's the thing. Sea of Stars was better, you know, I wouldn't say it was better than I thought it was going to be. But um, like with Baldur's Gate 3, you know, I didn't click with Baldur's Gate 3, but I am clicking with Sea of Stars. That's good. So, Anyways, we'll see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.